Hello, and welcome to 404 Podcast Found. I'm your host, Owen Godiber. This episode is brought to you by Star East Virtual Plus, where you'll enjoy the same great content from the popular Star Conference series from the comfort of your own digital device. We'll have more on that later. For now, let's jump into the episode. Chloe Chen is an automation developer at Upland Ingenious, where her team is currently working to introduce test automation as a service across the entire enterprise. Chloe and I sat down and talked about her journey into test automation and her team's goal of transitioning from working on a single product to offering test automation as a service across their entire organization. You know, testing mm-hmm. and, and test automation are things that aren't often put into curriculum at colleges and universities for yes. people who are studying software. You obviously yes. heard about testing and test automation in some capacity, and you've decided to you know, start your career kind of in that space. Yep. What attracted you to test automation? How did you hear about it? Um, and why did you decide that was where you wanted to kind of dive into the software world? So I actually, before I joined the team, I didn't hear, not saying I didn't hear it at all, but I've never tried it. And I only had like a vague idea what it could be, what you can do in it, um, sort of things like that. And um, so when I was studying in university, I was majored in computer science. So it's more like software development um, topic. And um, I remember one interesting thing. It was, it seemed like completely unrelated to what I was going to do back then, but now it kind of weirdly tied to what I am doing now, which is kind of interesting. It's like a life story thing. So what happened was I did my uh, first of three years of university back in China. And when I did that, I had um, every week we have this very interesting event um, in our school. It's called an English Corner, where people just go um, get together and then just talk in English just as a practice. And it's not just for students only. It's also for, uh, for professors and people live around the university. The team of testing automation, and he was... Um, um, doing a lot of testing conferences himself as well. At that time, I didn't think I would do anything related to testing at all at that time. So I ended up talking to him and he started to talk about how testing is underestimated, how automation is highly required but never got enough attention, and how testers are not treated as well as they should be. I just thought it was an interesting thing to talk about, and and I never actually thought about that. So, and then I just went away, and then I started to think about, okay, I I don't want to do anything right after I graduate. I might want to do something else. So I ended up coming to Canada and did my master here. And after I graduated, um, I found a job at Ingenious, and then at that time I was basically. I can't say desperate, but I really wanted to. I wanted a job because all my friends they all started working, so I ended um, being a tester, a manual tester. Um, after a year, I liked being a tester. I found testing um, very interesting, and you know it's been an ongoing battle between developers and the testers. Um, 
I find it's funny and interesting to see their reactions whenever I find uh, some critical bugs. I enjoy that. But also at the same time, I feel I don't want to waste my skills in software development. And I really liked it when I did that in school and also in my co-op term. I feel I felt there has to be a bridge somewhere. And then I talked to my boss. My boss was very supportive. And then he said, okay, we're in this phase where manual testing was no longer um, enough for us. So we tried it before and now we want to try it again. Would you be interested in joining the team? And I was like, yeah, sure, I, I want to try anything. And then I joined the team with another, um, another, another dev person. Um, we tried again. And then eventually we were like, um, it's, it can't be a site job. It has to be a full, it has to be a full-time job. And we have to have some expert or, uh, guidance from some, um, specialized person. That's why, um, we hired Chris Loader, who is also, um, who we all know very well. Um, he became my mentor and we, I started this journey and we basically started from there. I've been, he's been the best person I've ever met and worked with. He gave me a lot of help. Yeah, that's how it started. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I know that uh, obviously Chris Loader, uh, who you mentioned, speaks very highly of you as well. Um, you actually came Thank down you. with Chris to work on the test lab at a yes. tech conference in the fall, um, mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty fun. You did it in, in Toronto. Um, one of the test yes, labs, which did. was really fun. Um, which super cool, super cool environment. I love talking to Chris. Uh, Chris has actually been on the podcast before. Um, yes, I, so, I actually saw his session. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So he, he, he's fantastic. Um, and I know that obviously, uh, he, is super passionate about test automation and values that you also are super passionate about test automation. Now that you've kind of been working in this test automation space for a little while, you know, you mentioned that some of the things that attracted you or it to you were the fact that you could bridge manual testing to the software development background you had. Now that you're kind of fully integrated here in the test automation position, what about it? Or do you still like, what about it do you find challenging working in this field? Um, so this, this field is kind of different. Obviously, it's different from manual testing and development. You feel like you're doing a developer's job, but also there is a lot of testing mindset involved in the process of your work. Um, the challenge would be, first of all, I would say communication because there is a lot of, um, there has to be a lot of talking between you and both debt teams and uh, manual testing teams. With developers, you have to persuade them to kind of work with you to figure out the best way that you both can automate the product. It can't be just um, the automator who goes in and just decides what to do with the product um, developer team has to work with you as for one. So you need a lot of, um, so you need some help from them. And also from manual testing side, you have to um, work with them to figure out 
um, what to automate. Um, a lot of people would think automation comes from nowhere. They just invent them. They, they just invent themselves, but it's not true. Um, in our company, for example, we don't automate brand new product. We automate whatever has been regressed. So we have to have um, something being tested. And in the process, you have to talk to manual testers to figure out um, what they tested is if there is um, um, test scripts that we can follow. So communication is our first challenge. Um, second of all, you have to show your value to your company, to your boss, to your fellow coworkers to see that there is actually um, value to automate your, your product. So being able to work on what you want to work on and also at the same time showing your value and find a good method to um, measure your value, it's also challenging. That's the first three things I can think of. With that value piece of it, obviously, yes. um, you know, the, the team you're working with is valued. What kinds of things have you done as a team and personally as a test automator to yes. show your value? Okay, so take my case um, as an example. Our product is a productivity software. So we basically tie the telephony system into CRM systems. So part of our, um, part of our um, main functionalities for our product is to talk to the telephony systems like uh, um, Cisco or Avaya or Twilio, um, like um, cloud phones, things like that. So we have a very wide um, platform support. Um, so to show our value, we need to expand our support, uh, our supported systems as well. So we have customers who use um, mostly this phone system. So if we can speed our process to control those phones um, to control those phones it showed that we can also keep up with the product um, we can so basically we are capable of lifting a lot of weight from the manual testers that showed our value and I've done a lot of work in helping that so that's kind of how what I did to show our value and when you lift the when you lift that work from the manual testers, you're giving them an opportunity yes. to go out and do ex exploration and, and test it in ways that the automation can't test it in, right? Yes, exactly. And it's uh, interesting because I think there are still uh, challenges in, in getting people on board with test automation. And, and some of the challenges are that people think that test automation means the end of manual testing. But you're right here yeah. saying the exact opposite, right? You're trying to no. give the manual testers more time and more space to do what they're good at, which yes. is testing yes. the software. Yes. So basically, um, our goal is to, first of all, not end the life for manual testers, but give them opportunity to live a better, easier, and more interesting life so that they can do more exploratory testing and do less tedious, repetitive, te uh, um, repetitive testing 
Also, we want to give the confidence to our product manager and our stakeholders to say, um, whatever new features that they're developing won't break our um, so the turn basically the turnaround time has been greatly shortened because of automation before if you add a, a new feature you want to make sure that the older features are not broken so you have to regress the old features over and over again doing repetitive testing but with automation we've taken that repetitive part out and that, and that guarantee the new development won't break the old one. Um, that's kind of related to what we're doing right now, which uh, what we call a smoke test. Um, basically, we run it hourly to make sure that our basic functionality, what we can provide our customer. Um, so basically, it guarantees um, that our uh, product is not broken. It's a baseline from us, and it has um, given our product manager and our CEO a lot of confidence in our product. So that also has shown our value as well. When you run these tests, the regression tests you yes. mentioned is, is what you all focus on, but you do the smoke tests and whatnot. Once you get these reports back, yes. what is that next step? Obviously, the reports themselves are helpful, but they're not useful unless you're actually taking action with the reports you've received. So what is the next step when say you get a regression test, automate, uh, regre automated regression test report back into your inbox? What is that next step for you all? Okay, so what we want to do with our regression test is we want to make sure that everything passed. For, uh, first of all, if there is anything, so we basically evaluate the failures. Um, the evaluation of the failures, uh, basically, um, we do it. It indicate it can indicate two two things. First of all, in our first um, in our first few regression tests run in automation, there were failures, and um, that's the first thing we do to see if there is still something that we need to improve, so we can get a more ro robust run. Um, that's the first part. Second part, we basically evaluate the failures so we know that there is no gating, um, bro uh, no, no gating bugs in, in the product so that we can guarantee from our side that the, the release is a go. So we basically evaluate our regression test to see if we can release the product. Totally makes sense. And I think that that's so crucial that you're actually acting on and evaluating and, and taking action steps once you get those reports back um, to kind of yes. spin them up. So um, another cool thing I wanted to talk about, and, and I know this is something you were interested in talking about, and you, you talked about kind of your journey to test automation and you were working as a manual tester. You and one other dev took kind of this test automation project on. Um, you all hired Chris Loderant, and now there's three of you. Um, and the team kept getting uh, big, right? And now you are yes. at a position where the company has actually been acquired and you've had to go through this acquisition. Yes. What's that journey yes. been like for you in terms of going from, you know, a really small, uh, a smaller test automation team kind of to where you are today? So, um, first of all, a little bit, um, correction, the team did not grow. Um, so it was, me and another dev who did the, the automation, we call it a second try. 
But after Chris joined our team, the developer went back to do his job and I was left alone with Chris. So the, the team only contained both, uh, both, both of us. There were no, and um, there were no other additions to, to the team. So it was just the two of us. And then we had a product owner for our, for our, for our automation. So we have a team of three. And then we had students to write automated tests and also a summer and, and also co-op students. So that's basically what our team is. Um, and right now, like you said, our company has been acquired by a bigger one. First of all, when the acquisition happened, it did not really change much of our job. Um, we were still doing what we, what we were doing. But um, after people, so another, um, a little bit of a background story is we in automation, uh, we in, in, we in Ingenious, that, that's our product. Um, Ingenious is the only product in the company that has um, automation under, um, on, ongoing. All the, all the other products, they've had automation, they've tried it before, but they never succeeded. So people knew the value in automation, they just did not know what to do with it. So thanks to Chris building such a good framework that can be used not just by us, it has a potential to be used by other products. So people see the value in it and our, I think it was our vice president, um, our VP in R and D team. He saw the value in um, in this, and he saw a demo from Chris, and just felt it was a great idea to develop the automation team as a service to be used widely by the whole company. That's how we started our journey to use automation as a service, not to gen, not to just benefit a. Uh, not to just benefit our product, but also the whole company and other products too. So that's something we're working on right now and hopefully we can have going very soon and benefit all, not all the, the, the other products, but some of the products that, has, that have shown interest in us. How have you and Chris worked together to kind of make that transition from being a product specific team to now trying to operate as a service. You said you, you haven't really started in terms of actually working with the teams, but you're going to start rolling that out soon. Yes. What has yes. that journey been like in terms of going from a single product, trying to prepare yourselves to be used as more of a service across the company? Yes. Um, so for that, um, when we built our automation framework at the beginning, we never saw this happening. We never saw that we are going to be bought and we're going to expand our framework like this. So we basically built our framework um, in the shape of what will work the best for in Ingenious. Um, however, I think it's still, you have to have a very, very well designed and robust um, framework. If you have that, as your ground level, then you basically have to, uh, so you basically have to alter some of the things you, you, you used before. 
make some of the specific things only contained in the level of for this specific product and then basically um, shape it in a more general, it's more like, um, how do we phrase this? Um, like a like an interface for other products as well. You basically, it's like a multi-head plugin. You can just plug in other. Um, you, um, you can just plug in other product and run your automation on it. It's like a shell. So the generalizing the fr the framework is our biggest challenge now, and we have confidence in building a great thing out of what we have. So that's our vision, and our journey basically starts from there. As promised, here's some more about Starry's Virtual Plus. In light of recent events, TechWell has morphed the popular Star East Conference into a fully virtual experience this year. From the comfort of your own digital device, you will have access to all of the same great content and experts you have come to expect from a Star Conference. Starry's Virtual Plus will be streaming more than 90 talks in an engaging and interactive premium virtual atmosphere. Plus, with three packages to choose from and a variety of exciting add-on options, you can select the conference package that fits your needs and your budget. I look forward to seeing you there. We'd love to continue this conversation and more on the TechWell Hub. You can join our Slack community at hub.techwell.com. And remember to check out techwell.com to learn about our expert training, conferences, and communities for software professionals.